Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. We have made it to Bora Bora. Can I tell you the best fact about this episode that I just looked up and saw? Yeah. This episode aired, the first part of it. So we're doing episodes 10 and 11. Episode 12 is the last part of Borbora, which we'll get to next week. But episode 10 aired August 21st, 2011. Kim and Chris's wedding was August 20th, 2011. So this start of Bora Bora aired the day after they got married. Oh my God. It is so crazy because I was going to tell you this more than any other episode leading up to it is the one where I am the most fundamentally, thoroughly, deeply confused as to how these two people were ever married, whether it was for 72 days or a lifetime. You know what I can't believe? That Chris, the meddlesome Chris that for six seasons now in our recap, we have been talking about and saying, You know, she's just got to stop sticking her nose where it doesn't belong sometimes. And she's got to learn when to just let things happen. That same Chris didn't step in and go, okay, no, this isn't happening. (laughs) No. And by the way, you know, to Courtney and Chloe's credit, they were, yes, maybe a little bit overly critical at first, but they, I think we're looking at this a little bit more realistically. I actually forgot how bad it was. But this episode really brought it back for me. And I have to say, Em, I cannot wait to get into it because not to be dramatic, but is this the best episode of television that's ever aired? No, I kind of think it was. I mean, that diamond earring scene, it is the type of thing where you watch it and it hits every single time. It is not overhyped. We didn't remember it to be greater than it was. I watched that and was like, holy shit, this is better than I remembered. It's an incomparable wave of nostalgia. But you know what else it is with with the diamond earring scene is that I think that scene has become so popular and such a 
prevalent part of pop culture that we forget about the rest of the episode. Like the rest of the episode and their entire time in Bora Bora is equally as good, if not better than that one standalone scene. Yeah. And also the other thing about that scene, which we will get into in episode 11, I know we have the entire episode 10 first, part of Kim's whole you know, hysteria in the moment isn't just her upset about the diamond earring. She also doesn't want to cry in front of Chris because they haven't known each other long enough and he's never seen her cry and she thinks she's such an ugly crier. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's too, it's too good because it, you go from this point that Kim is making about not wanting Chris to see her cry because they've never done that in front of each other and she's never cried in front of him to the preview for next week's Bora Bora episode being Chris asking Caitlin permission to marry Kim. Like, how did we get here so quickly? And by the way, forget about... Okay, this is such a huge point of conversation that we're going to have to get into. All of our conversations have been about like, Okay, what did Kim see in Chris that allowed Yes, I knew you were going to say this. What the fuck did Chris see in Kim? (laughs) Like, why did he do this? Why is she burying all the blame? He didn't like her either. I am so happy you just said that. When you geared it up, I was hoping that's where you would go with this. Because, I I mean, I just watched this, what, an hour ago? Like, we literally have not discussed it. That was my biggest takeaway. As much as, you know, we're watching it and we are so just confused as to her attraction to him, not physically, everything other than that. I'm confused from his perspective as well. Like not only was their family not even remotely welcoming to him, but they are so different. All of the things that are like really deeply rooted parts of her personality are things that he cannot get on board with. Here's how I would explain the relationship from each of their individual points of view. Kim was looking at a six foot, what, five basketball player who was incredibly handsome, very family oriented. Yes, a little annoying, but like nothing that she didn't think she could get past, but like somebody who seemingly really loved her and and was looking out for her and, and brought out a side of her that she maybe didn't know she had. From his point of view, he's dating a incredibly famous woman who he fundamentally disagrees on every single thing with, thinks that she is too vanity conscious, hates when she wears makeup, hates how materialistic she is, hates the reality show element of it. But like, I'm sorry, I understand Kim's point of view in this a million times over. I cannot for the life of me understand other than a physical attraction what Chris Humphreys was getting out of this because he does not like anything about her. He, But here's the thing. He didn't know any of these things about her. Half of the things that he discovered he wasn't a fan of, he only discovered on this family vacation. Listen, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here because let's get into episode 10. But episode 11, really, I mean, there is a lot here. And also, this is when the episode shifts from being 22 minutes to 44 minutes. So we're basically getting two episodes in one because we had been used to the quick, you know, 20 minuters. Right. So episode 10 is a 30 minute episode without commercials, 22 minutes. And then parts one and two, where they're actually in Bora Bora, episode 11 and 12, those are each 44 minutes or an hour long episodes. Yeah. So we're now getting into the stage of Kardashians when there's like a lot to analyze. Nothing could be better. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. 
And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Okay, so episode 10 is really the introduction to all of this when Caitlin surprises the family that for her and Chris's 20-year anniversary, they're all going to Bora Bora. And there's a lot to analyze even just in this 20-minute episode because one, we have Chris's, you know, really struggling with her body image and feeling very self-conscious about being there in a bathing suit, not necessarily in front of the family, but more so the idea that this content will now be going out to the world. And we're starting to see their heightened awareness of that and their relationship to the public in that capacity. Second, Scott and Rob's relationship and kind of some of the struggles there. Third, Chris Humphreys being introduced to the family in a more formal way. But lastly, you know, Chloe's not able to come because of Lamar. She doesn't want to leave him. She doesn't want to be there alone. And you see Courtney really feels like her partner in crime is leaving her. And just to watch how Courtney's even considering not going if Chloe's not going to be there, part of it because she doesn't want to be around Chris Humphreys without Chloe. I have so much to say. I'm, I'm actually overwhelmed. <laughs> the first thing I want to start with, though, is that there is a very big jump in terms of the perception of Chris Humphreys where, you know, a couple of episodes ago, we spoke about the fact that Chloe was clearly not on board. There was something that was preventing her from wanting to really get to know Chris any further. She was kind of blaming it on the fact of like, oh, I always get too close to Kim's boyfriends and then I end up getting hurt and like, I, I just don't want to go there again. And you and I were having this discussion of like, it's more than that. Like she does not like Chris Humphreys. She doesn't want to come out and say it. And so she's kind of hiding behind this rationale. So from that episode to where we are now, we don't really see a lot of the way Chloe or the rest of the family feels about Chris Humphreys. We see a couple of scenes with Kim and Chris. We see him mentioned a couple of times. Kim brings him up, obviously, as like a very present figure in her life, brings him up in the sense of like she's really falling in love with him. But the opinions of the rest of the family aren't brought up again until 
this episode. And so we cut from Chloe being like, oh, I don't really want to get to know him to Chloe cutting the bullshit and being like, yeah, Chris Humphreys is a douchebag. Yeah, it was a rather quick progression because she was kind of dancing around it for a moment there. The thing that I always say to myself is think about how much tension there was on this trip and Chloe wasn't even there. Like Chloe, the person that probably had the biggest issue with Chris wasn't even present for the rest of the situation where if she was, I am telling you, as good of episodes of TV as these were, they would have been even better. There's a part of me that thinks that if Chloe was there, it would have gotten so contentious between her and Chris and then Chloe and Kim as a result that I'm not saying the wedding wouldn't have happened, but there may have been a greater delay in that than there actually was. But also, I want to talk about the fact that Chloe wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, the reason that Chloe cites for not being there is because Lamar couldn't go and she doesn't want to go without him. She feels like it would kind of be a couple's trip and then she's just there solo, which is it possible that that's the reason? Totally. Is it also possible that knowing what we know now, she maybe didn't trust leaving him alone? Absolutely. You know, it's not a thought process I had at the time, but of course, watching this with all the information we have, it certainly could have been a factor. I just feel like there's so much that was happening on our screens that may as well save that conversation for another time. Yeah, I think so too, especially because there's going to be a lot of Chloe conversations to have in that regard. You know what I was thinking about in this, which in the scheme of these two episodes is one of the least significant scenes, but it does factor into one of the main plot lines, which as I mentioned earlier is, you know, Chris just feeling really insecure, not feeling great about herself and struggling with wanting to go on the trip because of that. In the lead up, we see her going to Dr. Garth Fisher, who is a very famous plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills and also a family friend. And, you know, you kind of see her going through some potential procedures. Of course, as he tells her in the consultation, there's no way that she would be able to recover in time if she were to do these procedures. But I was thinking, I feel like in 2023, they're not doing any of these plastic surgery consultations on the show. I have to say that scene was almost like an SNL skit. Here you have a very insecure Kris Jenner coming into a plastic surgeon's office with like two things in mind that she would like to fix that she thinks would make herself feel better. So the first one is she wants her boobs done. She has implants in, I think she says. She kind of wants them taken out, maybe resized, and then a lift, and then also says about her neck. Two things, whatever. So you have a very insecure Chris sitting down in a chair with two specific things in mind. And then the plastic surgeon says before she's about to leave on a trip for a week that she is not feeling good about, here is everything else that you need done. Like, here's what I would do to your face. Here's what I would do to your neck. Here's what I would do to everything. And she's like, great. I walked in feeling insecure about two specific things. And now I walked out with a whole new laundry list of things. (laughs) No, that is why they always say, Do not go to a plastic surgeon for a consultation unless you are fully prepared to hear the full extent of what they have to say, because you may go in with one certain thing in mind and they will not hold back in telling you what they think could be done. And it's not even just a financial thing. Like, of course, the more procedures, the more money, but that's also just the way that their minds and eyes have been trained to work. You know, like they look at you and they're thinking how they could sculpt you to be what they view the, the absolute best result. So like it can be a very jarring experience going in thinking you're just talking about one or two things and all of a sudden they're like, well, now that she asked. Yeah, like no wonder Chris's insecurity carried throughout the entire trip. Like she really, <laughs> I, I felt so bad in that moment. I was like, this is the last thing she needs before she leaves. Yeah. And you know, the other thing, it's like, 
Obviously, Chris knows that there is no world in which she could do any of these procedures, even the smaller ones, and be ready in time for Bora Bora, but this was a great scene to film for the reality show. So in the process of filming this scene, just for the purpose of like rounding out this episode, she leaves feeling so much worse about herself than walking in. Like She was really doing it for the content there. <laughs> yes, like exactly. Wow, that was... That was a tragic scene. I, I, and, and here's the other thing. Like, I, Chris looked fucking amazing. That's the thing. During this time, like, obviously now the Chris we know is a, I would say a more refined version of the Chris back then. Like, she has really grown to become so sophisticated with her wealth, I feel like, is a way to describe it. But at this time, like, I thought she was so beautiful. Yeah, I did too. I still do. I would say a really unintended byproduct of watching this episode is that seeing how critical she was of herself and comparing that to the way that I was viewing her is actually slightly comforting in terms of the conversation of like, we are our own harshest critics because she is clearly her own harshest critic. I'm sitting there being like, you are killing it. Like, I would so love to look like you at your age. Yet, I mean, she looks in the mirror and is picking herself apart. So it does go to show you, no one is as hard on us as we are on ourselves. Absolutely. Also, just one last thing on the Garth Fisher of it all. Clearly, she was not that traumatized from this consultation because not only are they still good family friends with him, but he is the surgeon that removed that thing off of Chloe's face. Remember, like a few months ago, she was wearing that Band-Aid. He's not who she went to for her nose job, but they do go to him currently for other things. I wish I had an Excel sheet of every single doctor they use or have used. You know what I would want? I would want a list that was half doctors, half like any vendor for a party. Yes. And then the other category, which is not necessarily doctors, but facialists, masseuses, you know, those people that come and do those currents on their face, all of those side things that aren't necessarily medical, but fall under the general aesthetics category. That's, I have to say, like, to me, that is the information I am so much more interested in because I think that people think that the amount of plastic surgery, like surgical procedures that they have gotten done is far more vast than it actually is, where the stuff that they're really pouring their money and time into are all of these laser procedures and all of these med spa procedures. That's the information that I'm looking for, exactly what they're getting done at those places. Because I think people think like, oh my God, I would do anything for a list of all of their surgeries, all of the procedures they've gotten done. I don't think that list is as vast as you think it is. Well, I just think it's a lot of technically, quote, non-invasive things. Right. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. 
It's an intuitive process, so you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, and it's convenient, so desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline, and it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, so they're all gearing up for this trip. Everyone, with the exception of Chloe, arrives at LAX. They board the plane together. I see you didn't write this down, so maybe you weren't as shook by this as I was. But when Kim and Chris, Chris Humphreys, are sitting next to one another and they're filming themselves on, I guess, a camera because it wasn't an iPhone, and they're like looking into the camera together, kissing, she's telling him what angle to put it at. I was so taken aback. I was like, who is this? Like, I can't, it's funny because it's so the same version of Kim. Like if she was, you know, with her, let's say boyfriend of next year and they were on Kim Air going to Tahiti, she totally would film it as well, whether it was for her Instagram story or just to have, like we know that she likes to really document those moments and she would probably be acting in the same way that she was with Chris, like a little babyish, you know, very almost damsel in distress vibes, which I think can be Kim in a relationship. Like she likes to almost take on that personality, but like it being him was just, I, I can't explain what I was feeling. Like I need someone else to confirm that they watched this and felt the same way. I think I didn't write it down for two reasons, maybe three. I don't really know what was happening during watching this. I was like, I, I think it was out of body experience altogether. I know one of the reasons is because I was so focused on Scott and Mason because we haven't seen them interacting in a while. And Mason was like growing up and being a real person and talking and like having this very adorable relationship with Scott, which obviously was taking my attention away like entirely from what was happening. Two, I think that watching Kim and Chris interacting together was so unnatural for me to see that I didn't know how to put it into words. And also, I think I just did it right down. He was like, oh, doll, we're going to talk about this for 45 minutes and try and analyze <laughs> it and figure out what we were feeling together. No, like I need to discuss it. I very much understand why he couldn't put it into words because it is, it's an out-of-body experience. What are we watching? Why is Kim Kardashian in her striped maxi dress filming herself on a first-class flight with Chris Humphreys? Like, what? 
You know what it was that was so interesting to me? Like, I totally agree with what you were saying in the sense of like a lot of the way that she was acting in terms of how she acts in a relationship was not necessarily Chris Humphrey specific. I think that a lot of what you were describing is how Kim has acted in relationships in the past. I think it's a lot of how Kim will and has acted in relationships after Chris Humphreys. My question is more so with the things that she was describing that she loves about, you know, the aspects of her personality that Chris Humphreys brings out. What came first here, the chicken or the egg? Was like, like, is this a situation where Kim thought she wanted to be all of these things and Chris Humphreys brought that out of her and that's why she thought she liked him so much? Or was this the thing where she met Chris Humphreys and then kind of convinced herself that all of these aspects of his personality that made her personality different than, you know, how it typically would be were then things that she learned to love. Like what the chicken or the egg thing here is what's confusing me. I think it's a little bit of both because on one hand, it really does play to the point we constantly make while watching these old episodes, which is like Kim couldn't stand as firmly in her truth because there were still aspects of it that she felt she maybe needed to change to be, let's say, the most successful version of herself. And that's not the case. Like here, what was being perceived as almost a negative of her being overly vanity conscious. No, current day Kim is going to say, fuck that. I am very vain and I'm going to turn that into a billion dollar beauty business. So I think part of it was her not feeling like she could be the best version of herself if she was really just owning all of what was considered her quote shit. But secondly, she just wanted to make it work with him so badly that I think in order to reorient the things of him that she was annoyed by, she had to turn that into things that maybe she deemed to be lovable. And then the third element, which is, you know, if someone is telling you 10 times a day that you're too vanity conscious and you need to stop being worried about makeup and it's taking away from who you really could be, maybe at a certain point you're going to believe it. You know, like so many of his personality traits, she was kind of embracing, maybe even to a fault, whereas he wasn't embracing any of it. Like he stood very firm in being, I don't like this in a person and he didn't budge on that, you know? And so it, it like almost made her have to rethink some of the aspects of herself that maybe she was comfortable with, but he made them out to be such negatives. It is such a good point how he never took on any of her things. It's not like it was this shared experience where she was like, you know what? I love that he brings out these aspects of me that I wasn't in touch with before. Like, For example, she says, I love that Chris reminds me that not everything is so serious, which by the way, I think that's a positive thing. Like, I think that's a good takeaway. Like you're right. Not everything is so serious. Kim was very serious at this point in terms of having a one track mind in terms of career and what she wanted to get done. And here came Chris Humphreys that reminded her, like, it was okay to let loose a little sometimes, but it's not like Chris Humphreys was walking away going like, you know, it's so beautiful being on this vacation in Bora Bora. It is so nice to be in this luxury villa. Like, you know, this is the the kind of energy that I need to channel a little bit more into my life. Like Kim reminds me of like, it's okay to want things like this. It's okay to like find a lot of happiness and excitement in, in these luxurious experiences. Like all this episode was, was Chris being invited on this insane, beautiful trip and then critiquing not only everything about Kim, but everything about the family and the way they all live their lives. Right. Which like to really just think about this fully for a second, I can understand an argument being made for at this point in their lives when, you know, they're about to reach that next tier of wealth. They were already wealthy, but what they're entering is a whole different amount of money. And it's easy to maybe be swept away in luxury and the extravagance of things. And maybe it could be helpful to have what could be considered a quote, grounding presence and someone that reminds them that material goods aren't the end all be all. However, if you really want to break it down, 
there is no world in which Kim specifically, forget about any of the rest of them, that Kim specifically could be with someone that didn't value material goods and luxury and extravagance in the way that she did. It just wasn't going to work. Some could call it, you know, yeah, but it's the yin to her yang. With Kim specifically and the way that that person then integrates into the family, it can't be. You know, it, it could be someone that maybe isn't at her level, but not someone that judges it. So that's thing number one, totally. But I think honestly, the bigger point here is just about Kim and what we were saying earlier with her feeling like she couldn't lean into herself, even the way she reacted to the room, which I want to get into. Like, yeah, are there things that maybe could be altered? Totally. But Kim's greatest strength or one of her greatest strengths current day is that she saw the way she was able to capitalize on just being herself and how she doesn't need to change that. And if she stayed with Chris, it's possible she would have never achieved the success that she achieved because there was a person that was chipping away at the things that make her her. You know, it's really interesting because there is so much about her going from Chris Humphreys to Kanye that like feels like such an extreme overcorrection. Like here was somebody who appreciated her and her lifestyle and everything about the life she was living in a way that there may not be somebody again who gets Kim in the way that Kanye did in the first couple of years of their relationship. However, I'm realizing now as we're talking about Chris, like there are these similarities between Chris and Kanye. And I would say namely the boldness of both of them. Like one of the things I could not get over with Chris in this episode was just the extreme lack of a filter. Like he said anything to anybody that popped into his head. Like there were things that he was saying to Courtney and Scott, A, as if they were all buddy, buddy and all best friends. And, you know, you know, they just understood Chris and understood his sense of humor and would never be offended by anything he said. But like things like about their sex life and about how boring they are, that was like so deeply inappropriate. But, you know, that aspect of not having a filter and kind of saying the first thing that pops into mind without like regard of how the other person's going to react is very Kanye. No, it is true. Even though they are so different, I think that that is a really important similarity to hone in on because part of the reason I think Kim was drawn to that. And I, I say drawn in the past tense because I don't believe that that is currently what she would be pursuing. It's definitely not a quality that P. Davidson has, at least in that same way, is because I think Kim felt for a lot of years that her people-pleasing tendencies were kind of exhausting to her. You know, she she maybe enjoyed that part of herself to a certain extent because it allowed her to get along with people and she wasn't really rocking the boat. But it was a part of her that I think she wanted to not necessarily change, but maybe adjust a little. She wanted to feel comfortable being a little bit bolder. And I think part of what she was doing here with Chris, with Kanye, was going for these men that did it to an extent that she was so uncomfortable by, yet was forcing herself to almost you know, go on board with it to maybe rub off on her a little bit. And I think what she's realized in the last few years, which like, I know this is a ridiculously bold claim to say, like, like a realization to, to think someone had for not even knowing them. But I do think that she's realizing, you know, she can take aspects of that without being with a person that puts her just like inherently outside of her comfort zone constantly, you know, like she can pick and choose aspects from these people that present in a little bit more of a bold way that she actually finds maybe could be beneficial to her life without having that be her partner. Yes. Yes. And it's like, 
you almost want to shake her and say that to her. And what else is interesting in terms of comparison, actually, I think to all of Kim's relationships is that I think that Kim gets a little blinded by being treated like a princess. Like, I Mm -hmm. think that if you were to ask Kim, especially at this time, that was like the number one thing that she was looking for. And that translated to Kanye as well. Like this idea of Chris Humphreys being so obsessed with her, can't believe she's real, treats her like a princess, treats her the way like a man should treat a woman on paper, not in terms of what he says, just in terms of like how she perceives him to be to her. Because there's that scene in the first um, part of this episode where she introduces Chris for the first time to Lauren. And when Chloe makes that comment about like Chris Humphreys is a douchebag, Chloe says it to Lauren after Lauren had met Chris and Lauren's so taken aback. She's like, oh my God, are you kidding? He loves her. He adores her. He treats her like a princess. And I think that that's what he puts out on very first glance. And I think that that's what Kim took from him at very first glance also and really, really ran with that. Well, totally. But that that plays into like the hopeless romantic thing she had going on. You know, like yes. so much of it, you know, they say, we, I feel like we somehow bring this concept up in like every episode, like the idea that a person has a story and they're so used to this being the story that at times they're just going through the motions because they think that that's what they are like or should be like. Not to say that Kim isn't truly a hopeless romantic. I think that she is. But some of her viewing herself in that way, I think made her maybe be more drawn to this behavior than she actually was. Right. And, and that's what happens with Kanye too, though, is like the story of it. And, you know, by the way, like we were all, I don't think Chris Humphreys had us fooled for even a second. I remember what it was like watching this episode very vividly, like maybe this one more than any other one. And thinking even as like a young teenager, like I don't even know how old I was here watching this 14, 15 really watching this and being so disgustingly turned off by the way that Chris Humphreys was acting and literally picturing myself in my 20s, bringing home a guy to my family and like praying that this is not how it would go down. But the thing with Kanye is that like in the beginning, the way that he treated Kim as if like he couldn't believe she was real and like the story of him loving her and loving her and chasing after her and writing songs about her and like before she would even, you know, consider him a romantic sense. Like we all fell for that story. Oh, totally. Although the way that I current day view Kanye and their relationship and kind of just the disgust that I feel for him, it doesn't make me question why we were so as the public, or at least myself as a fan taken by his initial display of affection towards Kim. Like I think if I were to rewatch that whole thing now, not knowing what I know now, but at let's say 28 years old, if they were first now dating and he did all of that, I think I would still be taken by it because it was ridiculously romantic and grand. And you also had the whole narrative in your head that like he loved her for years before she even knew it. And I, I don't think that we are wrong or were wrong for being taken by that in the beginning. But I need to go back for a second to the Chris thing. Everything that we just set aside, like a million percent so confused by this relationship, cannot get on board with it, think that Kim was turning her back on aspects of her that really do make her her. Those few shots where, you know, they're standing right outside of the water and he throws her in, which we'll get into in 30 seconds because that's how this episode ends. And it's just like the shot of him from the back and you see how tall and broad and strong he is. For like 10 seconds, it makes me forget all that, really. You are so literally the meme that's like, girl, meets the literal devil. 
oh, how tall are you? I don't know, 6'2", 6'4", with the horns. It's like, ooh, like that is literally, I have never in my life met somebody who embodies that meme more. It's like literally the devil is Chris Humphreys and you are looking at him, you're like, okay, like would it be the worst thing in the entire world if he threw me and then didn't care that my $75,000 earring was now missing at the bottom of the ocean and like couldn't have cared less about how upset I was about that in the moment because like, ooh, what is he like? encroaching on 6'6". Like, okay, all is forgiven. Okay, no. By the way, listen, do I appreciate height? Yes. Do I appreciate height more than I appreciate diamonds? Absolutely not. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pink screens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. But getting back to what you were saying, that's really how this episode ends, where you know they're playing around and he throws her in of course, the diamond earring gets lost and the next episode really picks up with the aftermath of all of that. But I am going to tell you, watching this scene now, I felt the exact same way that I felt while watching it at 15 years old, which was absolute shock, stress, anger, feeling as though it was my ears that those earrings fell out of. I, I can't even get into it. Because of like how frustrated I still feel. Again, this is a conversation we have always. Not just about the way that Chris reacted to her, but the way that the entire public thought she was being so ridiculous. Like $75,000 to lose. Imagine if you were somewhere carrying a briefcase of $75,000 and you dumped it in the ocean and you couldn't get it back. Like 
I'm sorry. There's, you would be in absolute hysterics. Like, I will never forgive the reaction to that scene. But you know what the craziest thing to me is? Is that whole scene happens. Chris could not have been less sensitive to the point where he is saying to her, like, you know, no, I, I can't imagine crying about something like that because I would never own something that would make me that upset to lose. Like, first of all, that's the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. Second of all, he's like so insensitive to the fact that he threw her, that he was so rough with her, whatever it is. A couple of scenes later, which may be in the next episode, not this episode, Kim says to Courtney, how funny was Chris being when he threw me into the water? It's like, oh my God, 10 seconds ago, it was the most traumatic experience of all of our lives. And now it's funny. But that is a prime example of what we were saying earlier, where she was taking these things that were objectively aspects of a person that she not only dislikes, but does not vibe with even remotely, and then turning them consciously or subconsciously into positives. Like her saying that to Courtney wasn't her saying that because she cared if Courtney thought that it was playful. She was saying that to convince herself. Like, I, I even felt in every single one of these confessionals when she's like, you know, Chris can be like that, but I love that. She was saying that because she needed to say it out loud so that she could hear it out loud so that she could believe it, so that she could get herself to subscribe to this relationship that she knew was then going to turn into a marriage because that was really where her mind was focused. Chris was really just a, a placeholder. Can you believe that the diamond earring scene aired the day after they got married. No, I actually can't. I, I truly cannot believe it. I cannot believe that this is the part of Kardashians we are in. Like this is the golden era, you guys. Oh my God, I have so many thoughts. I'm so overwhelmed. Which as I'm realizing, I think we just did all of episode 10. And I know we were planning on doing all of episode 11. Episode 11 is like easily an hour. Should we just do that next week? Yeah, because I have an additional hour's worth of stuff to say about Scott and Courtney. I can't make that conversation shorter than it needs to be. That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't want to glaze over things just for the purpose of fitting it all into one episode. Like I want to give ourselves the full 20 minutes or however long it's going to take to talk about the scene with Vegas, to talk about some of the things that Chris was saying to Courtney and Scott. I mean, by the way, we haven't even touched on the Rob and Scott aspect of it. Here's the thing. They broke up Bora Bora into three episodes for a reason. And so we shall too, just as God intended. Yes. I also want to say, you remember how on Monday or Tuesday's episode, we were talking about like Chad Michael Murray and Channing Tatum and John Stamos being early sexual awakenings. The fact that we did not mention a 2011 Rob Kardashian is sinful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, that, that could be like, like number one, maybe not number one, yeah. but like it's, it's high up there. Yeah. I can't believe that either. I cannot believe it. It's also because it felt, talk about attainability, like at this time, the level of famous that Rob was, you know, felt so much lower than like a Kim. And he really did just feel like, oh, their younger brother who's like going to USC or just graduated USC, you know, like that felt in your, what, I think I was 16, I guess, 16, 17 year old mind. That felt like strangely achievable in a few years. Yeah, especially because he had nothing else going on. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh my God, that was that's top of the list. Yeah. Wow. This is amazing. I cannot, I, I feel like it's running through my bloodstream, just the excitement, the enthusiasm, the everything. This is it. This this is why we do this. I can't believe that these Bora Bora episodes don't have an Emmy. This is Emmy Award television. I am dead serious. I know you think I'm joking, like it's an Emmy. No. 
Name a couple of episodes better than them in Bora Bora. This is peak television. This isn't just peak Kardashians. Like this is, if I were to create a time capsule and only be able to show my kids three episodes to represent what it was like to grow up during this time, I would show them all three episodes of Bora Bora. Mm -hmm. I completely understand that. And I think that that would be a perfectly fair pick. Although that's actually a, a kind of a fun game. Like putting together a list of, let's say, the 20 episodes throughout the entire 20 seasons of Kardashians that are essential. Like if you're teaching this, let's say in a college course, what are the 20 episodes that you need to watch in order to gain yourself the most robust understanding of the family? Fun game. Fun fucking game. Or just like the 20 best episodes. But I have to say, I'm like, and again, we're only six seasons in, plus spinoffs, of course, but as of right now, Bora Bora is number one on my list. Yeah, Bora, Bora Bora is really high for me, at least from what we've seen thus far. Can, can you believe we got 14 more seasons of this? No, we are the luckiest people on planet Earth. Get to hang out and talk about this. I'm so excited. Me too. Okay, well, we will end it there for this week. I totally did not anticipate that happening, but I should have because of Obviously, we have a million things to say about that one 22-minute episode. We'll pick up next week with episode 11. I have to imagine we will spend the entire episode on that. And we'll go from there. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And Isabel and I will see you tomorrow for Bravo. Let's talk about baby making for a second because... It's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.